on um, uh, this subject. And we're going to talk about, since it's the last day of the year, finishing strong. Finishing strong. It is not how you begin. It is always how you finish. We said it recently, the Tanzania Olympic runner came all the way from Tanzania, 6,000 miles to the Olympics. And he fell as he was running the marathon. Fell, took a long time to get up, and the other runners just kept running. And so he got up and started running, and people said, are you really going to run the race? They said, you have no chance of winning now. He said, my country did not send me 6,000 miles to start the race. They sent me here to finish the race. And though he, he was minutes and minutes behind everybody else, the entire stadium stood and cheered for him as he came in. The only person we remember is him and no one else there. So I want to give you several, several thoughts here. And uh, let me see. Lisa, I may have you give us an update later on. Uh, in church or something because people have been praying for you guys and we'll say more about that so second samuel chapter 23 and when we'll look here uh we'll have a prayer and uh, here we go our buses are in second samuel 23 it says now these be the last words of david how many of you have ever had someone tell you now this is the last thing i'm gonna say to you and then they kept talking after that <laughs> sometimes it's not really the last words you know, this is the last time I'm going to tell you that. And the, the next day, they tell you again, or they say something else. And so this is how it ends for David, 2 Samuel 23. Someone, someone uh, recorded uh, in a book that's very interesting. It's called Last Words of Saints and Sinners. And they actually took through history, unsaved people, uh, in some of their last words. And they were things like, so it is true. There is no hope for me. I feel the fires of hell burning my feet already. That was some of the unsaved quotes. And then D.L. Moody, earth is receding, heaven is ascending, this is glorious. And so they had some last words like that as well. And so here we are, the last words of David. Let's pray. We'll give a little background and we'll jump right in. I think it'll be practical. Help us, Father. Thank you for faithful people. Help others listening online, many that are sick and many that are still out of town. I just pray that you would meet with us today. Doesn't matter who's here as long as you are. And feed us in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are. little background here. Um, there were some people in Scripture that finished poorly. They did not finish strong. Think for a moment. I think of Demas. He was Paul's right-hand man. He was Paul's Timothy. And he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. That's the last we hear about Demas. I think of Judas. Judas did not finish well. Ended up taking his life. Died lost as far as we know. I think of Samson, who had, had, had uh, fits of glory as he defeated the Philistines, yet died blinded because of his immorality. And there he is, his hair's growing, they're laughing at him, and he takes his own life. He didn't finish strong. I think of King Saul, he started great. He was head and shoulders above all the people, a natural leader. 
And yet, he became very carnal, very angry, very bitter, and ended up dying in a battle he should never have died in. But then I think of people that finished strong in Scripture. I think of Moses. He finished strong. The Bible says that uh, he had all these last words. He finished. He led the children of Israel to the promised land. I think of Joshua who finished strong. And one of his last words were, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think of Paul and his last words. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I love that. He finished strong. Think of John the Baptist. Though he had a one-year ministry, he was beheaded because of Herodias and the king, but he finished strong. I think of Stephen. Uh, as we think of the last day of the year, finishing this year, uh, he, was, uh, he was stoned and he looked up and said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Finished strong. I think of Joseph, sold as a slave and uh, lost 17 years of his life and yet he forgave his brothers and said, when you go to the promised land, take my bones with you. Now let's back up and talk about David for a moment. He finished strong, but I want to tell you this. He got past. He went forward past some bad decisions. David's first bad decision was he stayed home from a battle. It didn't look like a big decision. Every decision is a big decision. Just one day he said, look, I've always gone to battle. I've always led you guys in battles. I'm sitting this one out. I'm tired. Well, he was the king. He was supposed to be leading that battle. He sat it out. And he was idle, so he couldn't sleep at night. People that can't sleep at night often have trouble with working in the daytime. Usually when someone works hard, they have very little trouble sleeping. Well, David couldn't sleep because he didn't work that day. And now he's on the rooftop. It's warm. And he looks out. You know the story. He sees a neighbor. He's never really noticed before. She's sunbathing. She's taking a bath, if you will. He lusted, stayed home from one battle. Terrible decision. Next, he flirted with her. Not only did he see her, but he wanted to know more about her. Uh, in our day, it would be he met, her, uh, he met her on a chat room. And that's where he met her. Uh, Bathsheba texted him, befriended him, reached out, will you be my friend? We're neighbors, you know. And then David, when things came down and the king was after him and his son Absalom was trying to kill him, we see that David never sought counsel. David made some impetuous decisions, didn't ask anybody. How many times in 37 years I've met people who've made like, we're going to move, we're going to marry, we're going to buy this, we're going to do this, uh, here's my new vocation, and they never ask anybody. They're the source of all knowledge. You're always a wise person when you run things by someone who's been around a while. They don't have to be a licensed counselor. Uh, I, I got this uh, letter in the mail this week. I thought it was funny. Uh, this woman sent this, this letter, and it said, uh, I'm extending my services. I'm a licensed counselor. And then she said, I have 12 years' experience. I'm thinking, that's nothing. I wouldn't come to you. And I have 12 years experience. You know what I would do? I'd go to someone who's got 30 or 40 or 50 years experience being married or raising good kids 
or financially or a, someone that's been a Christian 20, 30, 40 years, a pastor that's been pastoring 20 years, uh, that's who I'd go to. And again, when you seek counsel, it never means tell me what to do. I'll do whatever you tell me. That doesn't mean that. It means give me some perspective. How do you see this situation? I remember one time I was pretty discouraged and I went to see an old preacher that I knew in Texas, in uh, Joshua, Texas. And I remember, I remember just sitting down and I said, all right, well, here's the problem. Tell me what to do. He said, hey, just look at those people and tell them go to hell. I said, what? I said, that's your advice for me? He said, that's my advice. He said, if I ever wrote a book on the ministry, nobody would ever go in the ministry. I said, well, thanks for your advice. I appreciate it. Sometimes people are not going to give you good biblical advice. But there's someone who can give you advice. You say, well, they're not a good Christian, but they might be a good business person. Uh, they may have some good kids. And, and so you just want to be that person that can seek advice. So he fled without counsel. And then next, he joined up with the enemy. At one point, uh, David ends up fleeing to the Philistines. Do you remember them? Help me. I'm going to say it again. And you tell me, good or bad? Philistines. Bad. Uh, that, was, that was Goliath. Goliath was the enemy. He was a Philistine. But David, at one of his low spots, fled to the Philistines and asked the king if he could be in his army. That sounds strange, doesn't it? That's very strange. That's like in the Confederate War. Uh, that's like a Yankee soldier. One day, he runs to the south and says, can I be one of your soldiers? Uh, that's like a New Orleans Saint. Uh, well, we're not going to get into football. It's too sad. But 2 Samuel, let's look here now. We're at the end of David's life. So what does that mean? David made some unwise decisions, but he still finished right. He, feel, he still finished strong. I'll mention it later on this morning. It's easy to live life looking in the rearview mirror. You know, I should have done this. I should have dated this person. I should have moved here. I should have not quit that job. I should have not married this person. And, you know, it's easy. Hindsight, we always say it, is 2020. Once you get past it, it's easy to say, well, I should have. And then I want to tell you this too. There's a lot of people that have 2020 vision for your life. <laughs> They're glad to tell you what you should have done. And you gotta get past that stuff. David made some very foolish decisions, but guess what, at the end of his life, he's finishing strong. Anybody can get past a time in their life that's regretful. So let's just notice and let's pick up here. We're in 2 Samuel 23. Now, these be the last words of David. And notice what's mentioned here. I just love this. David, I mean, here's his last words. The son of Jesse. What's that mean? Though David's dad slighted him as a youth. You remember Samuel, the famous preacher, was coming to their house. And they, he asked for all the sons to line up. He was going to anoint one as the king. His dad forgot to call David. David's still at work. 
his little job watching the sheep up on the hill. He wasn't even invited when, when Samuel came. But guess what? At the end of David's life, he says, don't forget, I'm the son of Jesse. Jesse's my dad. I was at a youth conference this week in San Antonio, and I said something like this. You got to forgive your daddy or honor your dad. You got to figure out which one you got to do. Maybe you, you didn't have a good dad. All right. All right. Your job is to forgive him. And at the end of your life, be right toward him. Doesn't mean you have respect. Maybe he's lost all his, his respect, but David was right with his dad. I said, you have to forgive your dad or honor your dad. You say, well, what do you mean? If your dad's already passed away, how do you honor him? You have a good life that would make him proud of you. You just live a good life. So one day he could say, man, I'm proud of how you lived your life. So notice David is finished and strong because he's right with his dad. And then it says, the man who was raised up. David remembered where God brought him from. Many of us, we could, we could go around the room and I could say, tell me where you were. Where were you in life? Not address, when God found you and saved you or turned your life around. Someone asked me, they said, Pastor, every time you speak somewhere, whether here or out of state, what's your last thought? before you go to the pulpit. You ready? My last thought is a picture of me on my tricycle. Little black cowboy hat, three years of age. Silly putty mustache. It's the earliest picture I remember in a neighborhood where no one was saved. And I just think, how could God reach down to that little neighborhood and send someone to knock on our door and get me saved and bring me all the places I've been? It was God that reached down on St. Jared Street and raised me up. It was God that took David off the hillside and put him on the throne of Israel. And it was God that raised you up from whatever terrible background or situation, unsaved family, and somehow he did that. So here's David at the end of his life. He said, I'm right with my dad. And I recognize it wasn't my hard work or the great college I went to. It was God that raised me up to this great responsibility. And then we see a little further, the anointed of the God of Jacob. David realized that anything he did for God, whether he killed the giant, or whether he wrote scriptures, or wrote songs, it was because God had anointed him. It was God's power. David couldn't take credit, it was, it was the Lord. Someone says, Pastor, thanks for leading me to the Lord. All I did was repeat a story that someone told me. And so he keeps going. Notice he says, and here's what I really, really like, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now what in the world does that mean? Now, now think of David's background, and you've heard this. Here's what David went through. His daddy forgot him. His brothers were mean to him. They said, they minimized his responsibility. When he, when he brought him lunch at uh, the Goliath fight, they said, who did you leave those few sheep with? All you're watching is just a few little sheep. You're not important. And they put him down. What did David go through? He had a wife named Michael that was a carnal woman. He married her, probably shouldn't have. It was the king's daughter. She had a crush on him. 
but she was carnal. He came home from serving the Lord. She looked out the window and said, oh, how foolish do you look in front of the women of Israel today? And David just fired back. He said, God appointed me above your daddy. Man, he just stood right up to her. But he married a carnal woman. He had an affair with the neighbor. He had her husband killed. They had a child together. The baby died. His son Absalom tried to form a coup, tried to kill him. And his son was killed in the tree. His daughter was abused sexually by a relative. One son murdered one of his other sons. David went through all this stuff. And guess what he said? The sweet psalmist of Israel. You know, I've seen people in our church, maybe they moved away or they backslid and they came back 10 or 20 years later, they look different. They don't look like they just aged 10 years. Bitterness ages people. And it was David who was still called the sweet psalmist of Israel. How do you go through all the stuff he went through and still be sweet? I've met some people who are mean. I'm not going to call their names, but I've got their names written down in my Bible. Mrs. Oh, no, I'm not going to say it. Some people that are just mean. Why? Life. Life dealt them that hand. They responded incorrectly, and they got bitter. I was telling, I was telling Husto yesterday, he... We were so winning. He must have asked me 50 questions yesterday in the car. That's how you learn. That guy's going to make it. He's going to do great. But he asked me something about what's one of the hardest things a pastor does or, or why would a pastor uh, leave the ministry? And I said, that's easy. Here you go. Here's two of the top ones. Discouragement. He just doesn't see much results. Someone's going to move. What? You're moving. What? What? And then second is bitterness. After all I did for you, we misspelled your name in the bulletin and you're leaving the church? Are you kidding me? Bitterness. Bitterness. And so here's David. Guess what? He's finishing his race and he's sweet. He's a sweet old man. And in our church, we've got some older people and you'll find out we either get sweeter or we get more bitter. I remember asking a guy at our church one time, I said, hey, how you doing? He said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I said, whoa, you got a problem. <laughs> then there's other people, they're just almost gushy sweet. And every older person has been through heartache. The older you get, the more burials, the more grief, the more sad news you hear. So here it is, just in the last six months, Brother Kavanagh's passed away, my good, good friend. My wife's uncle, Isaiah Hill, passed away. C.W. Fisk passed away. Clarence Sexton, my good friend, passed away. Then who used to be my pastor's wife, Mrs. Buchanan, passed away. Wow, the older you get, the more people you have that move to heaven. It's hard. I've started to pick up the phone and I didn't have anybody to call. I don't have a mom and dad to call now because they both moved to heaven. 
something exciting happens, I'm going to call my dad. Well, there it is. He's still in my telephone three different ways. Is that him calling me right now, Dan? Is that my dad? Dan, is that my dad? All right, hang up on whoever that is then. If it's not my dad, just hang up. Good. I'm just telling you. The older you get, it is not easy getting older. There's more on your shoulders. There's more goodbyes. And then it's a lot of memories. Do you know why at our senior luncheons, we don't have a lot of stuff planned. We just kind of eat and let people talk. Because they have a lot to talk about. They have a lot of memories. A lot of stuff to say. Did you hear this story? Have you heard this story? Do you know this about me? All right, let's keep going. We're way out of whack here. So here we are, 2 Samuel. That's kind of the introduction to, to David. Notice what he says, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. His word was in my tongue. So guess what? David spoke about God's word. No wonder he was sweet. He's the one that said it's like honey. It's, uh, 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 it's water. It's like honey. It's like meat. It, 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 it's all these things. He was still speaking about God's word. Now, let me finish this up. Look down at verse 4 for a second. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds. He's talking about God. As the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. So you get this. He's, he's bragging on God's word. He's bragging, God is my light. God is everything to me. Here's a key verse, verse 5. Although my house be not so with God. Did you get that? So here's David. He comes home from church. He's excited. Uh, he's heard God's word. He's heard it sung. But he has no one to share it with. No, he's got wives. He's got kids. He's got at least eight wives that he's married. Old Testament, you could do that. But you, got, you, know, you had problems. And then he had all these kids. He said, I love God with all my heart, but my family doesn't. That's kind of what David was saying. God is everything to me, but when I come home, he's nothing to my wives or my kids. How lonely he must have been. I think of people who've come to our church through the years who either they had an unsaved mate or a backslidden mate, so they came to church by themselves. Their mate would never come. As soon as church was out, they would just leave and go straight home so it wouldn't make them mad. But they couldn't share the message because they never asked. They weren't even interested. They weren't a spiritual person. David went through that. Isn't that sad to me? Thank God if you've got kids or grandkids or someone you can go home to and say, wasn't church good today? Here's what we heard. Oh, it was good. It's great if you can do that. David couldn't. So well, how did David make it then? What really helped David finish strong? Well, obviously those other things. He didn't get bitter. He had a sweet spirit. God's word was in his mouth. But here's where I think a lot of it was. Verse number eight. These be the names of the mighty men which David had. Whom David had. You know what that means? David couldn't look to his family because they weren't spiritual. So he looked to his friends. He had these mighty men he could hang out with that encouraged him. I just love that right there. 
You say, well, pastor, what do you do? If you don't have family that's spiritual or family that loves God, you make good friends in church. So you got somebody you can talk about God with. You got somebody to lean on and someone to give you strength. You don't just give up and say, well, my family's lost and they don't care, so I'll never make it. No, you can finish strong. Let's just look at a few of these guys, and I just love these guys. These be the name of the mighty men which David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat. He was chief among the captains. Same was a dino, lift up his spear against 800 men. Now, I don't know if you're like me. If one guy can whip 800 men, I want him as my friend. <laughs> I want him as my bodyguard. I want him to move next door to my house. Now, I want him to move in with us. He can be a tenant. After him was Eliezer, the son, and I'm sure he got in a lot of fights, the son of Dodo. The Ahohite, one of the three mighty men, which David, uh, 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 when they defiled the Philistines that were gathered together in battle. Verse 10, he arose, smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave into the sword. A lot of sermons preached on that. His hand held that sword so long he couldn't let go. It was cramped. It was like his hand was a part of the handle. And of course, that represents God's word, the sword of the spirit. He had a friend that loved to fight for God. A lot of us fight our own battles. It's a battle with the wife. It's a battle with the relative. It's a battle with the landlord. You know, we have all these fights that's not God's fights. The real battle is on our knees. The real battle is praying for someone that slipped away from the Lord. The real battle is knocking on the door, giving the gospel to an unsaved person. That's the battle. Let's keep going here. So, so he's highlighting many of these people. And then look down in verse 14. And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. How things switch around, huh? So the Philistines are in Bethlehem. That's where David was born. That's where Jesus one day later would be born, and the enemy's there. Verse 15, and David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. David was just sighing, talking to himself. He did not ask his soldiers to do this, but he said, oh, I wish I had some of that Bethlehem water. And they were close enough, they were listening, and they said, a desire from our leader is a royal command. And the Bible says in the scripture there, they risked their lives, went through the enemy lines, lowered a bucket, got a bucket of water and brought it to David. That's amazing. Let me just say this quickly here. You know, you reap what you sow. If you'll be a mighty man for somebody, some people will be a mighty man for you. So when David needed some encouragement, there was someone there to encourage him. How come? Because he had encouraged others. What did these mighty men do? We'll probably finish on this. One, they listened. They listened. I had someone come in my office recently. And they said something about, you know, I know you say this and this. And I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. You mean you listen? I mean, I'm like shocked. You know, I preach every Sunday, but someone actually listened to what I said. Really? You listened? They listened to David. That meant this. 
They must have been close enough to hear him. What do you think? If he's, if he's talking to himself, they must have been pretty close. They listened. You want to encourage the pastor in 2024? Let him see you listening, not sleeping, not dozing, not texting, not checking the scores, listening. Not only that, they loved. They loved David. You help me. How many of you think his mighty men knew David was not perfect? Slip your hand up. What do you think? Don't you think maybe they had heard about the affair with the neighbor? You know how bad news travels fast. Don't you think some of them had heard that story? I think they probably had. Don't you think they heard maybe he had run to the enemy king and maybe worked with him for a while when he was kind of went bonkers? Don't you think maybe they heard David acted crazy at a door one time and he wanted people to think he was insane? I think they had seen and heard. Maybe they knew his wife. But they said, we can't help but loving David. We love David. He's a man after God's own heart. Folks, if you wait to have friends that are perfect, you're going to be friendless. You're going to have to overlook a few blemishes and a few, few warts. Because the closer you get to people, the more realness you see in them. I always tell the preacher boys when I teach them, if every preacher and missionary you put in your hall of fame has to have a great marriage, a huge church, be a tremendous pulpiteer, all his kids turned out for God, you'll probably not have anybody in your hallway of pictures. Because no one has it all. No one has it all. So they, they listened, they loved. Number next, they lightened. They lightened his burden. You know, they couldn't do his job. They couldn't be the king, but they could lighten his burden. How'd they do that? They gave him something he wanted. Years ago, I was preaching in Africa of all places. I mean, I'm in Africa. I still had cell service. Someone texted me, Pastor, I just put a Starbucks next to your door. Enjoy that cup of coffee. I'm thinking it's going to have mildew and film and bugs and, and everything. It was like outside, you know, it was like outside next to my door. I thought, thanks so much. Because you know, I didn't tell them where I was. But I got to think it. They couldn't pastor the church, but they could encourage the pastor. They could lighten his load, a cup of coffee. Uh, they could... Hey, I did this for you. Hey, hey, I saw leaves were all over the sidewalk this morning, so I got a blower and I blew it this morning. Lighten my load. Sometimes it's just those little things lighten the load. And then I like this too, and we'll take a break. Uh, I love this. They leveled the other giants. As you read the scripture, Goliath was the first one named, but later on it named some of the other ones. And because David, you remember, he took those five smooth stones. He used one to kill Goliath. And then later on in scripture, four more pop up. I think one was a nephew, maybe two were brothers, something like that. But David's men killed those other four giants. Some of them were like years apart, but they did it. They didn't make David kill every giant. It was one Sunday, I was walking through the 
hallway and I'm thinking, all right, and I'm looking for visitors. I've invited, I got my message. I'm thinking about the message. I'm praying, getting ready to come into the auditorium, get up in the pulpit and someone walks out. It was a man, been here like 25 years. I couldn't believe it. He goes, pastor, I need to talk to you. Okay, brother, so spit it out quick. I'm heading to the pulpit. You know, I thought, you know, you know your wife's dying of cancer. Or your, you know, your grown son ran away from home or something. And he said, we've run out of toilet paper in the men's bathroom. I'm thinking, isn't that wonderful? So the pastor's the only one in the whole church who can find a roll of toilet paper. I mean, you would have been so proud of me just keeping my lip zipped. Because there was a lot I wanted to say. Sir, how did you even get married if you can't handle something this big? Uh, how could you be a father? You've been in this church this long and you don't realize that's important. That's what's on my mind. Really? So some people want the king to fight every giant. You want to level some of the giants yourself. Years ago, we lived on the church property, and there was a guy who had come in begging for money. He thought the word church was spelled B-A-N-K. So he came into the lobby. He goes, hey, man, you know, my mother died. My wife left me. All the kids have leukemia. You know, just, you know, this sad story. I got run over by a truck, and I'm dying of, you know, all this stuff. And I said, sir, you know, we're just getting ready to have church. We're not a bank. I don't have any money on me. You know, it's, you know, the offerings deposited, this and that. And he said, well, I'm going to find somebody else. And, and so, you know, he it comes to this person, this person, this person. And he looks outside and he sees a house. Well, I'm going to go to that house. Well, my wife was there and we had some sick kids. So she was home alone. And so he's storming over to the house. He's going he's gonna to open the door, bang on the door. And so two men just followed him all the way up to the house, grabbed him by the arms, escorted him off the property and said, we'll see you later. So some men helped handle a giant so the pastor didn't have to. And so there's always some leader, someone that's doing something for the Lord, you can look to and say, what can I do to lighten their load? What can I do to help them? What giant can I take care of so they don't have to handle all the giants? I love David. Anybody who can go through all the stuff he went through and finish sweet, he has got my admiration. He's got it. I hope that we'll take some of these thoughts today in our hearts and not only finish this year strong, but finish life strong in the same direction so we can say like David, I was the sweet psalmist of Israel. These are my last words. And it's all about God. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon this time.